Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions, hello, my duff. Hello, dear. How are you? Why do you always ask me that first? How are you? I want to know. How are you, sir? Can I tell you what's why well? I'm, I'm uh, old? And <laughs> I can't remember the last time I sprang out of bed. <laughs> um... I believe that I've given myself neck no, pain. No, I can remember the last time you sprang out of bed when our child screamed. Okay, the screams yeah. of all screams at four a.m. And that's then the I went last and I time. said, "What's wrong?" She said, "Nothing." <laughs> yeah, that's the last time I you said, sprang oh, out cool, of bed. Man. But I meant spring out of bed like enjoy and not scream out of bed like a banshee, oh, a ghost. Oh uh, no! <laughs> oh, you mean like where where like the birds are singing? Yeah, do and, do 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 do. And you you throw your covers off and take a deep breath and go ah good morning. Yeah, and spring no, out of bed. Instead, of I'm at a point now in my life where. I look down at my steam deck for, I guess, a second too long the day before, and I wake up with neck pain. Oh, no. So I'm doing great. Well, could be like me. Bruised my tailbone. You bruised your tailbone, and I've bruised my old soul. The, the question that I get when I tell people that I bruise my tailbone is how? Uh-huh. And the answer is sitting on the floor. For Probably. too long, yeah. Playing with my children. Ah, man, being old is so cool. All the experience <laughs> and the memories is is great. Um, anywho, that yeah. we're not talking about getting old today, though. That would be the grace of getting old. Hey, but you know what? What? If I had the opportunity to sleep in and eat breakfast later, uh huh, aka brunch. Oh, I see. I might feel more well rested. Can I just say, uh, since you brought segue. it up, yeah, it's a great segue. Um, ha- having children, and mm-hmm. but even before children, I would say that uh, at some point, I think it was from working at the theater, and you worked at the jet. You were doing like lifeguarding. Yeah, I was stuff. doing the early, the early shift at lifeguarding. We got into the habit of being up at like six thirty, seven o'clock in the morning. Well, I was up earlier than that, but yes, sure. And even now, though, like we have friends our age, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to contact them too early. I'll wait till like 9 a.m. And then they sleep till noon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, yes. Brunch. Brunch. It is a combination of two words. Yes, it is. Brunchfest. <laughs> no, it's breakfast and lunch. Why can I not remember? My favorite thing. Portmanteau. Thank you. Thank you. It's not a good portmanteau. It's a bad portmanteau. Do I you want to know why? Why is that? Because breakfast doesn't have a U in it. But lunch does. Okay, but what I'm saying is, it's not good. It's not, you're just forcing a portmanteau. It is It is a, uh, a sideways portmanteau. It is a... Uh, a poor man's portmanteau. <laughs> yes, a bastardized portmanteau. <laughs> Can I say that word? Anyways, because if it was breakfast and lunch, brunch, that makes sense. Otherwise, you're just taking lunch 
and switching the first two letters to make it brunch. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Okay. I didn't. I didn't know that there were so many rules around portmanteau that it had to share a vowel sound. No, I'm just saying, like, you can still do it, right? But it's not as good of a portmanteau. It is a poor portmanteau. A portmanteau, right? <laughs> That's how you do it. Um, okay, so brunch is late lunch. Thanks, everybody, for listening. No, That's going to do it for us this no, week. No, no, no. You got it the wrong way. It's not late lunch. It's late breakfast. Oh, Early right. lunch. Okay. You know what? Oh, let's erase everything we said for the last four <laughs> minutes. None of it matters. Okay, but the question is, right? It has become part of our world, right? Part of your world. I'm not going to say around the world's world, but certainly here in the United States and also, you know, places like the UK. Brunch is a thing that people do. Yeah, but, but I feel... why? Uh, the, uh, an- the question... That we will answer today is why and I'm, how. I'm and betting who? millennials. You know, I I can see why you would say that. But the correct answer goes way, way, way further back than that. Yeah, I thought that might be the case. Yeah. I'm willing to bet that the UK has a much longer history of meals not at the times we think. Because like supper. Yes. As the, okay. No, you're right. You're right. It it definitely was over there first. Um, okay, here we go. It seems like a recent social phenomenon, but it is in fact quite old because it is believed that many of the first brunches were English hunt breakfasts. See, I knew it. Which were enjoyed by the leisure class in the 1890s. Okay. Yeah. Not the 1990s. No, 1890s. Okay. But they didn't call it brunch. No, not yet. Okay. But we do know when brunch first appeared in print. Was that the 1990s? I shall get to it. Oh, okay. So here's what happened. If you were a gentleman with a delightfully sprawling forest estate. Am I a gentleman with a delightfully sprawling forest estate? Nope. Oh, man. It was customary for you and your fellow gentleman friends to rise very early, like before the sun, to spend your day fishing and shooting at birds and hunting or whatever, right? Sure. Because that is when the animals are awake. You got to be awake. I think the animals are awake through the rest of the day, too. But that's when they're eating? Sure. Sure. And so you probably didn't have the opportunity to eat much. Maybe, Maybe cold breads or whatever, like cold cut sandwiches or something. Before you left, but like to get to get up early enough to actually eat like an expansive breakfast and then go hunting. I mean, you basically just wouldn't go to bed, right? And you'd be sluggish. Yeah. So by because the time you came back. Because you have to eat back, what you killed. So that's the important part. Can you imagine? Okay, listen. I know that's not what they were doing. But now I'm picturing these like 1890s like British gentlemen on an expansive forest estate or whatever. Just like going completely feral and jumping onto the <laughs> quail that they've just shot and devouring it right there. Like, yes, onward, gentlemen. More. And that makes is great. I love it. <laughs> it's like you're writing a... A zombie fanfic or something. More like werewolf. Uh, it's animalistic. They're fully cognizant. Oh, okay. Like Lord of the Flies, except like it's actually, they're lords. They are lords. <laughs> Duke of the Flies. So you would come back in late morning or early afternoon, mm-hmm. right? 
um, and you would be ravenous. Yeah, because you couldn't eat any quails. Not while everyone's looking. <laughs> so the hunt breakfast was also, like you said, reliant on what was available and obviously the taste of the owner. Food historians can't really reach a consensus on what might have been served at the OG brunch. Um, many believe there were definitely eggs. Yeah. But also stews, uh-huh. fruits and sweets, along with pieces of meats of the things that you find at your estate, right? So fowl, sheep, pigeons, hams, woodcocks, thrushes, thrushes, sorry, which is a bird that's like a robin. Um, and, you know, if you caught something small enough that morning while you were hunting, you could cook that up too. Sure. But I imagine a lot of it, when you say like stews and hams and stuff, a lot of it was probably things that either like you started when you woke, like the, the cook started, you know, when they woke up and it was like, it'll be ready by the time they get home or stuff that's like cured and ready to go mm-hmm. so that the second they walk in. Or right. easy enough to make that morning, like drop biscuits and eggs, right? Right. But what I'm saying is, is it wouldn't be like a normal breakfast where you would make it all in the time before they woke up, right? Correct. It's like, I'm not 100% sure when they'll be back. So I don't want something that timing-wise finishes cooking just in time for breakfast. Mm-hmm. I need stuff that is like ready to ladle out whenever they get back. Yes. So it's already cooked, but it keeps you know, in the pot until it's ready, like a stew or cured meats and stuff like that. Yes, exactly. Um, This is a great theory. It all makes sense when you lay it out like that. But there's also another theory. They love mimosas. (laughs) Not yet. Oh, okay. Uh, That you wouldn't have brunch if it weren't for Catholicism. Okay. Because some historians believe that Catholics began to enjoy a after-Sunday services meal uh, that was more of a late-morning breakfast than it was an early dinner. They have a little snack during Mass, and then (laughs) they go home and they eat brunch. Yes, but they would fast before Mass, right? That's why they're so cranky. Everybody's showing up to Mass hangry. Pure. Eat some food. Come on. This is one-on-one. This isn't even like, do germs exist? This is like, you know, they were all sitting there during mass like, I hate this. (laughs) (laughs) I should have had like a protein bar or something for it. It does often remind me of of hanger. Yeah. Some of the the behavior. Um, Okay. If I had been there, I would have said, I'm like, hey, can we all agree? Jesus doesn't want us to all feel like this. Let's have a pancake breakfast. That's a very Southern Baptist thing. Have a pancake breakfast. But did you we'll have, all fall asleep during the service. Did you have pancake breakfast before mass? I mean, before the service? Or was it after? Um, During. <laughs> I don't remember. Because I, I remember, have not attended church in 22 years. So I do not remember. I, I was raised Catholic. And... We would do those sorts of community building events after church, which usually there were several um, services. So, like, there's probably like a nine o'clock and then a 1030 and then like a 1230 or something like mm-hmm. that. 
So we would do those things after, but still, I mean, if you didn't eat before you went at nine o'clock, that's all, that's still a lot. We had a cafeteria and like kitchen and stuff, so I'm willing to bet they were like serving breakfast, and somebody brought Jolly Pirate donuts in almost every Sunday morning. So <laughs> there was that. You just had to hunt around the church and find them, Fat which my brothers it. and I got really good at. I'm sure you did. Okay, I promised to tell you about the actual word brunch. Yeah, and I can't wait. But first, how about a word from another Max Fun show? I'm Emily Fleming. And I'm Jordan Morris. We're real comedy writers. And real friends. And real cheapskates. We say, why subscribe to expensive streaming services when you can stream tons of insane movies online for free? Yeah, as long as you're fine with 25 randomly inserted, super loud car insurance commercials. On our podcast, Free With Ads, we review streaming movies from the darkest corner of the internet's bargain bin. From the good to the weird to the holy, look at Van Damme's big old butt. Free with ads, a free podcast about free movies that's worth the price of admission. Every Tuesday on MaximumFun.org or your favorite pod spot. Hello, everyone out there. Thank you for coming to our service. Yes. We are ready to heal you. you. We are Ross and Carrie. We are faith healers. Yes, Yes, you there. Yes, sir. You have a spirit of... Not listening to enough podcasts. We have the solution for that. Oh, we can cure you. You should listen to Oh No, Ross and Carrie. Hallelujah. Mm -hmm. It's on Maximum Fun. I couldn't have said it better myself. Yes, ma'am. Yes, you there. Gladys. Spirit of boredom? Oh my goodness, we have the solution for you. It is to listen to the podcast. Oh, oh no, no, Ross, Ross and, and Carrie. Okay. Yes. So it's a combination of the words breakfast and lunch. Yes, it is. It wasn't coined until 1895. I thought it'd be way later. Really? Yeah. Well, they were doing it in the 1890s, right? They had to have a word for it. Yeah, but there's just something about it that feels like such a modern word. When you think, when I think of like names for, right, that I'm thinking there's breakfast, there's lunch, there's supper, there's high tea, there's afternoon tea, there's morning tea, there's morning tea, right? And so when I think them calling it just like a combination of two words as a portmanteau feels so. I don't know, like modern and 90s to me. You know what I mean? Nope. 1890s, okay. Um, So it was written by Guy Berenger, wrote a famous article for Hunter's Weekly, entitled, Brunch, A Plea. Huh. A plea. A plea. Um, Please, everybody, (laughs) eat brunch. (laughs) I mean, kind of. So he talks about how he well first he makes fun of gourmands always always fun and That's says people that people who like foodies right yeah yeah foodies okay foodies to the extreme not just people who will eat one bite of the good thing they eat the whole of the good thing. I love eating the whole of the good thing. I know okay. I know, but sometimes that's all that's everything and that's a lot. Um, all right. Says that dinner can be as fulfilling if not more fulfilling. Than adult times. Oh, I see. And straight up calls 
eggs and bacon a depression meal. Okay. See, this is feeling very 90s. Isn't this feeling 1990s of like, I'd rather eat a good meal? Or like, ugh, I'm feeling so sad. Bring me a lot of eggs and bacon. Um, I mean, I guess so. I really equate 90s with like Kate Moss, right? Nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. I don't know. Gross. Nobody was eating. Gross. Anyway, here are some really great quotes. Apart altogether from animal considerations, the arguments in favor of brunch are incontestable. Ooh. In the first place, it renders early rising not only unnecessary, but ridiculous. You get up when the world is warm, or at least when it is not so cold. You are therefore able to prolong your Saturday nights, heedless of that moral, quote, last train, the fear of the next morning's reaction. Okay, now hold on. Now hold on. Okay. Yeah, so at this point, we're not getting up extra early to do things before we eat. Now we are staying in bed until it is brunch But time. let's talk about the cycle of things, mm-hmm. right? Because I know up till now, I've said this a bunch of times, but I'm going to say it again. Change, like, the word choice. And this sounds like a blog post from the late 90s about, like, partying and, like, why brunch rules. Yeah. Of, like... Don't worry about catching the train. You wake up hungover. Who cares? You just sleep in, and then you have brunch. Totes. Right? Like, the cycle of things. Mm-hmm. The cycle mm-hmm. of things. Here's another one. Is any busy workaday man in a becomingly religious frame of mind rising after 8 and 9 o'clock on his only off morning? Thank you. If he went to bed in good time the night before, well and good. But Saturday is Saturday and will remain so. More especially from seven onwards. Also, I to hate cer- Mondays. <laughs> yeah. To a certain extent, I am pleading for brunch from selfish motives. And let thou not talk to me before I've had my coffee. <laughs> I submit it is fully time that the old regime of Sunday breakfast made room for the, quote, new course of Sunday brunch. P.S. Beer and whiskey are admitted as substitutes for tea and coffee. See? (laughs) The cycle of things. Indeed, yeah. So, you know. We've had this new idea, my love. It's bottomless, (laughs) bottomless whiskey. No? Okay, we're going to change that slightly. Maybe not whiskey. Um, Maybe something we'll pretend it has fruit in it. Hmm, we'll work on it. We'll work on it. Bellinis. Um, Behringer provides a hilarious but earnest argument that the meal should replace the more formal Sunday supper, saying brunch is cheerful, sociable, and inciting. It is talk-compelling. It puts you in good temper. It makes you satisfied with yourself and your fellow beings. It sweeps away the worries and the cobwebs of the week. So we're arguing for it to be... Day drinking. Well, yeah, yeah. But what we're arguing it for it to be is the social event. We're, We're replacing... The Sunday dinner, right? The formal dinner with this kind of, I mean, with this this brunch. It is interesting because when I think about it, right? Like if I'm somewhere, uh, be it a time difference thing or like I'm at a convention where I slept in or something. I, if I have breakfast at like 11 a.m., I don't think of it as brunch if I'm by myself. You know mm, what I mean? I'm yes. not like, ah, a single brunch. <laughs> <laughs> It is a social event. I'm not saying it can be. If you think of it that way, that's awesome. I'm just saying, like, I've never thought 
of a my cell, a solo late breakfast is brunch. Movies and TV shows tell me that you have to have at least three people. Yeah. Yeah. And the fifth character is New York City itself. Ah, we'll talk about that. So although we've we've started in in the UK and England at least in the 1890s, it really didn't become popular in the US until the 1920s. Oh, uh, with the with what is it the bright young things? Is sure. That, yeah. I mean, it was kind of the age of excess in America, right? Um, well, the haves and have-nots. The indeed. flappers and the flap-nots. Um, and Chicago is the first place I want to talk about. We'll get to New York. Why Chicago? Why? You, you may ask. You do ask. Because it's the halfway point on the transcontinental train made by uh, this journey made by, like, Hollywood celebrities and other elite people from New York and California. Not not ge- geographically no, halfway. Not geographically, okay. but like um socially. Socially halfway. By the time that fancy people arrived in Chicago, they were hungry for their late morning meal. But if you were traveling on a Sunday, most restaurants were closed so that the owners could go to church. Here is where brunch happens. Cuz the local hotels were like what? Did you say that Josephine Baker's coming to Chicago and wants a gin at 11 a.m.? We'll no. set up some tables. Zoe Deschanel? <laughs> what a get. I didn't know we got Zoe on our podcast. So in lieu of restaurants, many hotels like the Pump Room at the famous Ambassador Hotel, which is now called The Public, were happy to create their own menus to draw in this upscale crowd and, you know, You had to be upscale to get away with day drinking in the 1920s. Sure. Um, And so that's the reason why brunch in this country especially is associated with wealth and leisure. It was glamorous. It was exclusive. It took place in hotels that looked more like castles, right? It it also, though, has... I don't know. Maybe this is a, uh, a, a the catch twenty two of it, I guess. But it has a certain feel of excess and like rich and stuff because you wake up late, you eat a bunch and drink a bunch. You're not doing much for the rest of the day either, for being honest. That's true. Um, in the 1930s, cookbooks began to offer recipes and tips for hostesses across the country about brunch. One of the tips was to make alcoholic beverages available for your <clears throat> male guests, but it was still unsightly for a woman to be day drinking. They probably so needed there were, it more, so if some we're of being these, honest. Some of these cookbooks cite some d- delicious mocktails for the ladies, which I think is... BS. You know they was getting spiked, right? Like, oh, yeah, this is a mocktail, and I'm just going to add a little whiskey to it. But this is where we get, like, the Clamato, right? Okay. It's this time period. Anyway, lucky for us, by the early 1950s, the middle class brought brunch to the mainstream and also began to smash the bad press surrounding weekend day drinking. Um, One article... Uh, cited that brunch got more popular in the 50s because women were working now and needed a weekend respite. I'm not sure about that. Women have always been working. 
and they've definitely always needed a drink. <sighs> now, I'm not saying that the way to solve your problems is alcohol. I'm just saying one way that some people relax is to have an alcoholic beverage. Yes. Um, brunch, like I said, becoming more popular in the 1950s. 1980s is where we start to think about brunch as like... Culture. Culture, exactly. Um, as it turns out, Reagan's America was really into this idea, right, of overconsumption and lavish brunch buffets. And Anything you could do to show um, class difference. Yes. Yeah. Um, and as we moved into the 90s and early 2000s, brunch got more popular. And this is where... We see it hit its kind of like pop culture pinnacle in, you said Sex it earlier, in the City. Sex in the City. The show was probably even the reason that Food and Wine magazine named New York City as the best brunch city in the U.S. Eh. Probably. I uh, know. I'm. I'm saying it probably is. I'm just saying. No offense, New York. I just don't think New York City is the best brunch city in the U.S. I'd rather go to New Orleans. Oh, that's a good idea. I'd rather go. I yeah I would rather go if it's up to me my ideal brunch thank you okay, for asking yes <laughs> I want something a lot more Scandinavian based mm. for me uh, where it's uh, lots of bread uh, give me some uh, pickled fish uh, or well then I was about to say like on the other hand I also love like a bagel and lunks at which point New York City is where I would go you know what I think I just like brunch. I've come around on it. <laughs> You've turned to 180 degrees. You love it. You I know what brunch. I thought you were going to say? I thought you were going to talk more about like Atlanta, right? With the chicken and waffles. Oh, I do love that as well. Yeah, you do. I also like German food, so I'm happy to be here in uh, Cincinnati where I can get, you know, some getta. Uh, but I love that as well. Getta um, and hash browns. Oh, yes, please. Um, Some sauerkraut. Yeah. Ooh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, I mean... I'm really hungry. Listen, if you want all of this, you should just go to Vegas, where you can get one of those buffet brunches. Yeah. You could even have crab legs and lobster and oysters. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Are you asking if I want to go to <laughs> Vegas today? No, it's not the weekend. Oh, okay. As the Dowager Empress... Uh, the, the, it's not the weekend. <laughs> the, what is a weekend? <laughs> anyway... Uh, there are lots of times when people even make their own brunch at home. Mother's what? Day. Mother's Day is a big time for brunch at home. Uh, Easter. Other kind of like spring-ish holidays, right? So let's talk about some etiquette. Yes. If you are going out to brunch, I think that it is it is imperative that you are patient. There are lots of people who like to do this, especially if you don't get there early, right? And who wants to get to brunch early? Well, isn't that like the whole point? Like, I feel like a big part of brunch mm -hmm. is that it is not, as going back to the breakfast, the hunt breakfast, right? Where it's just like, we're not going to rush before we go. We'll come back and then have a leisurely meal, right. you know, a lengthy meal, right? This is a leisurely time. People do like to take their time. A lot of restaurants understand this and they, you know, you have to wait. Especially if it's a social thing where and I've been a server at places before. It's hard 
to gauge like, do I want to go over? They seem to be in the middle of a conversation. I don't want to interrupt the flow of whatever they're talking about. They still seem to have like half full glasses and, you know, they haven't finished their plates or whatever. And meanwhile, you're sitting there thinking like, we're talking until the waiter's coming over or whatever. We don't know. Yeah. Here's another another thing. Stick to the menu. Because again, brunches can be a very extremely busy time for restaurants. So they often have a pretty set pared down menu. There are usually three or four selections of sweet type breakfasty things. And then there are three or four selections of savory type lunchy things. Right? Yes. And they serve these things only at this time. Uh, because, you know, it's not like dinner. Right? It's not quite lunch. It's not quite breakfast. Um, so a lot of these things can be a little more time consuming for the kitchen to make. Um, if you're going to order a Frappuccino, now is not the time. Maybe stick to your latte. Keep things a little more simple. Streamline. Um, and obviously, I, I, I have seen this on TV and movies. And it pains me to say that I th- that I can't believe that there are people who actually do this. They seat themselves at brunch. You see an empty table and you walk up and sit down. That's not how this works. Um, do not seat yourself because restaurants have their own specific plan to get through this brunch rush. Not to mention it's probably sectioned in a specific way to make sure the servers get equal amount of tables. The hostess or host will seat you. Um, and do your best not to special order. Uh, you know, things like no sour cream, no onions. That's that's one thing. Uh, yeah. But if you're trying to cobble together, well, I want pancakes and a side of bacon, but that's not an option. Can I just blah, blah, blah? No, not really. You can't. Try not to special order because a lot is going through the kitchen. I would say I would push back a little bit. Mm. Just to say there's never uh, – if the question is, is it possible to – like substitute this for this, and they say no, take that answer, right? Because if you're like, but I'm not really wild about bacon, uh, is there any way to get the side of the fruit instead? And they're like, oh, we can't really do substitutions or whatever. There's your answer, mm-hmm. right? But then tip better, you know what <laughs> I mean? Um, here is a good rule for those bottomless mimosa brunchings. Put some pants on. <laughs> Yes. What are you doing? You're at a restaurant. There should be no more alcohol glasses on the table than there are people. Brunch is famous for having several beverages. I get it. But no one person should have more than one alcohol drink. Okay. If you want your water and your coffee and your mimosa, that's fine. That's fine. It's encouraged, especially if you're a neurodivergent. (laughs) But if you're having your water and your coffee and your coffee with Baileys or then a mimosa and then a Bellini and then a, like all this stuff, right? You don't, you don't want so much of that stuff. Not at the same time. Exactly. There's nothing against you finish one drink and you're like, I would like to try a different kind of drink. That's fine. Yes. So I'm talking about the number of drinks on like alcoholic drinks on the table, one per person at a time. I would also say, as a 40-year-old old person, if you're going for this to be a social occasion and enjoy time with your friends and make memories, do not drink so much so fast at the beginning that you miss out on the chance to form said memories and enjoy the company of others. Mm-hmm. I trust you to have a gauge on that yourself, but 
it's just something about there's a difference between relaxing and overindulging. And good idea to have either a designated driver uh, that will be taking you home safely or engage in some kind of ride service that you trust and feel safe. Um, and, you know, I personally push for when the behavior of the table starts to move from we're having fun to we are going to act like we're the only people in the whole restaurant. Mm. Maybe it's time to hit the road. That's true. Um, do please tip as much as you would during dinner service, okay? Um, make sure that your server knows that you appreciate them, maybe in case something like you just described happens. Um, tip accordingly for that as uh, well. And also keep in mind that because brunch is usually a lengthier endeavor, it means less table turnover um, for those servers, right? So maybe during a breakfast or a lunch, they might have 20 tables in you know the time that they're or whatever. And during brunch, it's more like 10 to 12, right? So if you if your meal ends up going past, I would say an hour and a half, two hours, you know, as it continues on and you guys sit around and hang out, maybe start clicking up from like 20%, 22%, you know, up in your head, especially if it starts to be like, we're not ordering any more food, right? We're just sitting here sipping our coffee, but it was like another 30 minutes of being at the table, hanging out and like enjoying time together. That's less table turnover for the servers, which means less tips. For there them. are some that would argue that once you are finished eating, that it is time to move on and maybe socialize at a different venue. I agree. But if you don't end up doing that, then just yes. tip accordingly. Tip accordingly. Um, it is well known throughout the restaurant industry that brunch is a is a nightmare shift to work. Um, and it is so notably bonkers at some places that chefs almost all despise it. Anthony Bourdain himself uh, actually has a hilarious quote about how much he hated working brunch, saying, brunch is nothing but a horrible, cynical way of unloading leftovers and charging three times as much as you ordinarily charge for breakfast. It's the least popular shift for cooks. I personally hate it. I have all sorts of deep, highly traumatic memories of my years cooking brunch. Hideous. And that's how I felt about Black Friday. Oh, yeah. Um. <laughs> all that being said, brunch can be a beautiful, wonderful, leisurely time to spend with your friends. And a lot of places go out of their way to make you comfortable and to make it look beautiful and luxurious. Um, Lizzie Post recommends that you can take all the pictures you want when the food and the drinks arrive and then stow away your phones for the rest of the meal so that you can enjoy each other's company. There you go. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for enjoying our company. Um, we want to thank our editor, Rachel, without whom we could not make this show. We want to thank our researcher, Alex, without whom we could not make the show. We want to thank you for listening. We could make the show without you, but it would feel so hollow, so empty. <laughs> we don't want to. We don't want to. We want to let everyone know, we do want to tell you that My Brother, My Brother, Me, and Adventure Zone are coming to Chicago. Speaking of Chicago, we're going to be there for both some live shows and C2E2 in April. April 24th, we're doing My Brother, My Brother, and Me. April 25th, we're doing The Adventure Zone. And April 26th through the 28th, we're going to be at C2E2. The schedule is to be announced. Um, you 
can get your C2E2 badges now, but you do not need a badge to attend the live show. Tickets for those go on sale today, if you're listening to this on Friday, March 1st at 10 a.m. local time. Um, so they should be on sale now. Go, you fools. What are you waiting for? Bit.ly slash McElroy Tours. And because it is March 1st, that means new merch over at the merch store, McElroyMerch.com. What else, Teresa? We always thank Brent, Brontal Floss Black, for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Also, thank you to Bruja Betty Pennant Photography for the cover picture of our fan-run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. If you love to give and get excellent advice from other fans, go ahead and join that group today. As always, we are always taking your topic submissions, your questions, your queries, your idioms. Send those to schmannerscast at gmail.com and say hi to Alex because she reads everyone. And that's going to do it for us. So join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Schmanners, Schmanners. Get it? Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows, supported directly by you.